Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast once again from me, Mark Woods. We're back from our trip around the sun to bring you more basketball podcast entertainment. And it's episode 150. So thank you so much for all of you who have stuck with this from the start over the last few years. Hopefully there is plenty of more additions to come. If you want to get in touch or follow us, remember you can head to our website to get all our past editions at mvp247.com. Now... It's a big week for British basketball. It is the second major finals of this domestic season. Glasgow's Emirates Arena, the host venue this Sunday afternoon, the WBBL Trophy Final between London Lions and Leicester Riders, and then the BBL Trophy Final between the holders, Cheshire Phoenix, and the host, kind of host, it's in their home building, the Caledonia Gladiators. And we've got their big man in the middle, Joining us in the MVP cast, Patrick Tappe. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, how much are you guys feeling this? 20 years since the Rock slash Gladiators won a prize. And yeah, there's been lots of chat about it. You know, Gareth Murray's been around for a lot of finals that have been lost. Johnny Bunyan as well. Ali Fraser's been there for a few. Do you, do you feel a bit of history this week? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think they they mentioned it kind of along the way of this uh, this trophy tournament that uh, I guess they had not the greatest success um, at the last stage or last stages. So yeah, I feel um, a little bit of history. I think I, did, I didn't know about that twenty years of a, of a trophy drought. So um, yeah, it's a pretty big deal as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling good about it overall. I think that you know it's, it's a chance to make history um, and it kind of just adds to the to the moment. What about yourself? That be gladiators fans want to know. You had to sit out last weekend. Are, are you are you fit and raring to go? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a hundred percent right now, but I'm definitely on the way, uh, stretchy of getting back. Um, um, trying to work with our, our trainer as well, to try to get back to full fitness. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. What do you um, what do you guys take as a team from this season? You know, you're you'd be top five in the league. And you know, it's, it's been ups and downs. You know, you've this tremendous home form, not so good on the road. But does that add to the sort of confidence levels maybe getting to a final like this that you know on your home turf you've performed pretty well this season? Yeah, I think that's definitely adding to the, to the confidence level for us. I mean, obviously, we haven't had the best road record to show for. <laughs> um, but we definitely feel like, you know, being at home, um, although this isn't a different, you know, space uh, with different goals and backdrops and all that but um i think it's being able to even just you know sleep in your own bed at night and um kind of you know have your own schedule or normal schedule um being familiar surroundings definitely helps um and i think yeah we're, we're really excited about playing at home it's your first season abroad you know as a, as a professional how has it been compared to what expectations might have been hmm um, yeah, I definitely think on one hand, um, it's been a pretty long season. <laughs> I think coming out, a lot of my friends who are professionals now would, you know, get telling me, oh, it's like, be or be ready for a long season, 10 months. It's kind of a grind. And I think I was like, yeah, it's pretty used to that in college, but it's totally different. I mean, college, I'm realizing like, you know, they're having the NCAA tournament right now, um, finishing up and they even started, uh, after us as well, about two or three months. So, 
um, that's been a big adjustment. Uh, and then also, yeah, just, I mean, it's kind of like nonstop. Like in college, you have some breaks here and there. Um, maybe you don't practice six days a week, but here it's been just, uh, you know, kind of a load um, differential. But uh, then also just every game um, is, you know, just a higher level of competition. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that's those are the main things that I've taken away from this season. As someone who's got skin in a lot of games in terms of college basketball, are you one of these players that will sit up late at night here watching ESPN, following every every result avidly? Um, yeah, actually, I'm not. Uh, I think that uh, the college basketball is kind of, you know, I've run this course, uh, played almost yeah five years. So it's also a little tough. Yeah, like you're saying, I mean, the games don't come on are pretty late. Um, I was following, you know, I had some friends, uh, from the University of San Francisco, who I kind of stayed in touch with. Every now and then I'll hear about you know, games they played. I watch highlights, but yeah, I'm not actually following the games live right now. Your college career, let's, let's talk about that. And you know, not many people play for three different universities. Usually when it's played for three universities, it's gone wrong. For you, lots have gone right. You, you, you play four years at Columbia, which you know, for people to know is Ivy League. So it's where all the, you know, the brain boxes of America go. And then you go to Duke, and as you said, then you go to San Francisco. Um, I mean, what's the the rich variation experiences from those three? Um, yeah, so uh, I actually played three years at Columbia mm. on the basketball team. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think coming into Columbia was a huge growth experience for me. I've, you know, not for, obviously never been away from home for that long. Um, also, just, you know, from a, a mental standpoint, just being in – surrounded by you know really intelligent people um and you know you'll be exposed to, to high level basketball at the same time um building a, a network of of friends um that would come here for the, for the future as well uh stay in contact with was was huge um i think at, at duke obviously it was much more uh basketball centric basketball focused and um yeah it was i think that was a chance it was also during covid so there wasn't <laughs> much going on so I was a chance to really hone in on basketball and kind of lock in there. Um, and this past year at USF, it was kind of my first year having you know a lot of success. I obviously went to the tournament um, for the first time, and it was just a fun year overall. I mean, we kind of had a, a, a older group there, um, so everybody kind of knew, you know, what what we were going for. And um, unfortunately, we came up short in the end. But uh, yeah, that was that was kind of the, the gist of my three experiences in college. What's what's it like the different I guess, attention level, a different buzz, a different adrenaline and everything that comes with it of playing in March Madness. Yeah, so, you know, I think we, you hear about it all the time and you envision yourself doing it, but until you really <laughs> hit that moment, um, you know, you get on the plane and it's about 120 people on the plane, all from your school, all, you know, alumni and um, people affiliated with the program. So that was kind of surreal. Um and then just getting to, to, to the venue and, you know, every team or, you know, they have certain locations where teams practice at. So we, we went to Indiana, which is a huge basketball state. And um, you, you learn about the history of the tournament as well as players that have came through um, the state and, and the venue as well. And then you get to the practice court and you see how big the arena is. And there's about 50 to 100 reporters out there asking all types of questions and stuff. So. It's kind of it's kind of surreal, and then you, you know before the game, um, or you head to the, to, to the game and you see uh, before us was the Kentucky St. Joseph's game, which is a huge upset. Um, 
and you know the crowd was filled with Kentucky fans, and you know seeing them kind of go down was uh, was pretty crazy. And it's just a, it's just a wild event to be a part of. Um, you kind of don't understand it until you until you go through it. You had that ex- prolonged collegiate career because of COVID. There was extra years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. What's it like that moment? Yeah, you, you you're at San Francisco and you guys lose, and you actually know you know this is it. This I'm done. This is my college career. What's the emotions when you walk off a court and you know it's it's a defeat, which is you know no one ever wants, but it is yeah. that close to for you. I've been quite a long era. Yeah, I mean, I think at that point I was kind of ready to to move on. Obviously, it was my sixth year in college, so <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was about ready to move on. But yeah, it definitely left a sour taste in my mouth, uh, especially how we lost. We lost in in, in overtime. Um, and knowing that, you know, well, also one of our, our other uh, big was hurt. You know, he hurt his his knee um, in the the semifinal of our conference tournament. So that was a huge loss for us. And just knowing that we probably could have gone farther with him, um, and then coming up short in overtime, with, even with our limited squad, was a tough pill to swallow. Um, but yeah, I mean, after the moment, I was I was kind of just looking forward and excited to to be in a pro. Um, that was kind of always my next goal in life. So I was ready, just ready for that. Going back to Columbia. So you're, you're, you're a North Carolina guy and you're looking at different schools and, you know, you've got size and, you know, there's people, you know, there's, there's people looking at you and you've got options there. But mm-hmm. something struck me that your dad or your parents always said, which was education comes first. And how much was mm-hmm. that a factor in, in choosing to, to, to attend and play basketball at an Ivy League college rather than maybe somewhere that's a bit more basketball orientated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a huge focus for me. Um, like you're saying, my parents were always huge. I mean, not being an athlete first, but taking academics um, as a priority. And coming out of high school, I definitely, you know, I, I committed pretty early to Columbia. I think um, halfway through my junior year, uh, which is, I think most most guys kind of wait to their senior year to to make that decision, try to get as much exposure and attention as possible. Um, but yeah, coming out, I had some, some higher level schools who were talking to me towards the, the latter part of my recruitment. Um, but you know, I knew that I wanted to go Ivy league. I knew that it was always a dream for me to go to a top academic school. Um, and then upon visiting Columbia and seeing what they had to offer and just being in New York city and the trajectory of the program at the time, um, you know, I just couldn't pass up on that. So I just, I just went for it. What's what's the kind of prioritization there? Because you know you 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 want to win games. You're playing basketball. You have coaches that mm-hmm. need to win to keep their jobs. That's the way it works. But also you're mm-hmm. you're you're studying. You're getting your degree in urban studies. Right. Is there is there a, a sort of curious balance there between <laughs> athletics and academics? Yeah, definitely a pretty big um, you know difference from other schools that I've been at uh, where basketball is a sole priority. Um, you know, I think, you know, coming in, um, like, you know, you're hit with all these courses that are pretty challenging and especially freshman year is a big learning curve for me. Um, and, uh, you see even like, you know, as I, as over the years I had, you know, some good friends on the team, just drop out of basketball, or just focus on studies, which you really don't see, um, at, at other programs for the most part, they might transfer out or whatnot, but, um, it's definitely, uh, taking even though the coaches understand that everyone takes academics pretty seriously. Um, so it's almost, yeah, it's like tough. <laughs> I think uh, even on the team, some guys want the guys to take it more seriously than, um, than, than school for others. But yeah, it is, it is a weird dynamic actually. Um, 
you know, trying to decide what, what to allocate, you know, the majority of your time towards. And saying that there's another upside here is you get to live a fun part of your life. That's the part of your life when you're having fun in the middle of New York City. Um, is there any downsides to that? Mm, you know, I loved it. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was there was so much going on and everything's easily accessible. Uh, I just got on the train, can go anywhere in the city. I had my, my sisters uh, living nearby in Brooklyn, only like hours away on the subway, which is nice. Um, I would say, I guess, the one downside might be the weather. <laughs> I don't know, those winters get pretty brutal, especially... Um, you know, it's like it's funny. Like during during winter break, everyone's going home. We have to stay on campus, and that's like the most the coldest part of the month. And you're like walking through three foot of snow just to get to practice <laughs> every day, two two times a day. Um, so if there's one downside to New York, I'd probably say say the weather. Um, other than that, I loved it. But it's prepared, yeah. It's prepared you for the the tropicality of Glasgow. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and you you had the three years playing, but then you know what would have been your senior year. You picked up a two mm-hmm. injury, and there's a choice mm-hmm. then: either you you know, you you effectively play through it, or you don't play through it in a case. But then you 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 maybe play towards the end of the season, then you lose a year of college. And in your case, effectively, you cut yourself from the team. Yeah, that was a pretty tough decision. Um, just because, you know, I know that our team, well, we finished out the season pretty, pretty well at the, at the end of the season. Um, and we kind of had, you know, some good, some good things going. Um, everyone was coming back. Uh, we also had our, our best player, our, our starting point guard coming back from injury. He was out the year that, I, you know, my junior year. So I was kind of looking forward to playing with him again, um, and, and making some noise in the Ivy League. But I think when it came down to it, you know, I was still, um, injured come the start of the season. I couldn't really. Uh, you know, play play the way that I wanted to. So I decided that it would be in my best interest to, uh, you know, just pursue basketball elsewhere, you know, take this year off, um, kind of just focus on academics, and at the same time I could get a graduate degree um, from another school playing a fifth year. So, uh, yeah, it was a tough decision to make, but I think in the end uh, it was a good decision. What was the, the thinking behind using that? Well, at that point, you thought would be the one extra year before COVID came along and, and shook things up. But was it more for you the chance to get a graduate degree? And obviously, you, know, you can play basketball, so you know, you get it paid. So it's you know, it's, it's economically a good option. Or mm-hmm. was it more to test yourself on maybe a more basketball-focused environment? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was actually um, the majority of my decision was to get a graduate degree. Um, I think coming out of Columbia I, or my junior year, I remember um, even at the year following when I was deciding whether to go in the portal or not, you know, I had some agents hit me up and was thinking about going pro, but I was kind of ready to go down that route um, if if the, if, I, if I didn't get the school that I was interested in. Uh, fortunately, I did. But yeah, the decision was mainly um, based on getting a graduate degree. Was that the voice of the parents again? Saying, you know, academics, academics? Um, I don't think they influenced me to do that, but yeah, that was that was more of my decision. Um, they, you know, they definitely rubbed off on me and influenced me that way. But um, it was definitely my decision to do that. There's lots of interest. I mean, you know, Georgetown, Maryland. I'm just reading you know, these off Ohio State, Syracuse. Yeah, these are these are good basketball schools and great universities to boot. Right. But you're a guy. You grew up in in the Carolinas, <laughs> and most of your family were Tar Heels. So North Carolina fans, and he mm-hmm. chose to go to Duke. 
hard, hard, emotionally <laughs> tough was that call? Yeah, um, that was a weird thing. I was talking to my cousins and stuff about it, and they were like super excited, but it was also weird because they're like diehard Carolina fans. Only live like maybe thirty minutes from the school. They all, they all went there, so <laughs> it was a funny dynamic. But yeah, I mean, it was a tough decision to make, um, turning down other schools as well. Um, I think I went on a visit to Syracuse in Maryland, and I really loved uh, Syracuse. They actually had fun. Uh, they were playing Duke that 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 night, so I was in the Carrier Dome. They have it was like the biggest stadium in college basketball. They have about thirty thousand people every night. Um, they actually like use half of the football stadium <laughs> for it. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I really you know loved the coaches and the conversations that I had, the style of play. Um, and I think I was I was kind of ready and set to go to Syracuse. But, um, you know, like you're saying, just being from North Carolina and stuff, my family really convinced me. Like, they were, <laughs> they were like, really angry that I was even considering anywhere else. <laughs> um, was, it, was it nice to get that chance to, to play? I know it turned out to be a weird year, but, you know, to play close to home. Yeah, uh, it was still nice. I mean, even though it was COVID, I had to watch, like, restrictions and everything. But I could see my family every now and then um, who live nearby. And, um, yeah, it was kind of nice to just be back home you know I, I when we had breaks i would just drive home um to charlotte where i'm from just a two hours drive so yeah it was kind of nice to see back in the back in the vicinity of, of home tell me about the recruiting process from coach k because it, it wasn't from what i gathered the clearest of process for you mm. yeah i mean it was uh it really came out of nowhere i was you know looking at different schools and kind of thought you know this was what it was um I thought my school list was kind of uh, finalized. And then I just get a call one day saying, like, this is uh, Coach Carowell from Duke, who was the first coach to reach out, the uh, assistant coach. And it really just took, like, took me, like, shocked me. Uh, I remember telling my friends, like, and it, we just couldn't believe it that night. Um, but then going forward, yeah, like, Coach K was, he was pretty hands-on. Um, and he also really made a huge emphasis, like, to talk to my mom. Um, and kind of get her on board. And I think once he did that, it was it was kind of, it was kind of signed to deliver from there. Was, <laughs> she was, she was on board, and um, yeah, I think I just just went to or decided to go with it. But you you weren't totally kind of clear at the point whether he was offering you a, 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 a spot or not. Well, and I mean, I think they were pretty clear about that. But I think the one thing that I did is um, when I first decided to to commit to Duke, I think about two days later, I actually decommitted. It took Coach K that I wanted to go somewhere else. And then uh, that's when I, I called uh, Coach Behan in Syracuse and then tried to set that up. And then, like, a day later, um, I think, yeah, my, my actually my former assistant coach that, that year, he, he played at Duke, Kenny Blakely, and I was the head coach at Howard. But he kind of told me, like, yeah, like, you can't miss out this opportunity. Um, Duke's a once-in-a-lifetime chance. Um, and I actually went back and then recommitted to Duke. So it was a pretty, uh, you know, messy part on my end um definitely take take responsibility for that but yeah it was it was kind of a weird process when you were the first graduate transfer and so it's a kind of fifth year kind of transfer from another college that duke has ever had and obviously they pick the pick the cream of the the crop you know we've seen great players even even from this country lol deng who who went there countless nba stars um so they can they can pick anyone What, what is there a conversation? Is there an awkward conversation when you phone them back and say, actually, I'd still like to come? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was a little awkward. I mean, <laughs> um, not going to lie, it was uh, it, it was tough. It, it was even more awkward when I called him back. It was kind of like begging to come back. Um, 
that was even more awkward. But yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, we, he just told me straight up, like, we don't make decisions out of fear. Um, so, uh, you know, if, do what you want to do. Just know that, you know, we, we wanted you and, and whatnot. But he just said, like, you know, don't make this decision out of fear, um, which really stuck with me. It's, you know, it's, it's an extraordinary record that Coach K has. And of course, retired last year. And, you know, we saw him in this country win Olympic gold medals, all those titles and, you know, big games that the Duke have won over the years. You know, t- take us inside the, the gym. What's he like as a coach? Yeah, so, I mean, even, you know, I think the first day that I got there, um, and it was, we started to follow COVID restrictions. So uh, we were just doing individual workouts. And I remember, like, I was working with the assistant coach, but he was just watching. And every, like, couple minutes or so, he would he would come in and just change, like, a little, or just mention a little minute detail, like, change my foot positioning here, or, or just, like, especially, yeah, he was big on footwork. Um, and then just kind of mentality, he was just always in my ear. Um, and I mean, everyone on the team. Um, but yeah, he was just very hands-on, very direct. Um, I think that's one thing that, that really helps, uh, or I guess why everyone likes him so much is that he's so straight up, you know, a lot of coaches sometimes will kind of, you know, um, not, not show their full cars and, you know, maybe show favoritism or whatever, but he was just so straight up and direct. I've never seen anything like it. (laughs) Um, so that was really refreshing. Um, so I think that was you know, the biggest part. And then, yeah, like I'm saying, he was just the, the greatest teacher. Like, he just knew every minute aspect of the game, uh, things you just wouldn't even think about. He just was always looking at. So that was pretty crazy to see. How much does that push you in a different way or push those buttons in a different way that when you're at a place where you know, winning basketball games is, is a tradition, it's a culture, it's a big deal versus mm-hmm. Columbia where it, it's about the degree? And basketball's the other thing. Yeah, no, that was a huge uh, change for me. I think, you know, like you're saying, just that whole culture of winning, uh, we didn't have the greatest year that year. So I think they, they really, you know, everybody from the strength coach to obviously Coach K and the season coaches was harping on, you know, Duke's legacy. Um, coach K would, would tell stories of, you know, countless stories of over his 40 years at, at Duke, his, especially his, his start there. Um so, yeah, it was definitely always in the back of your mind. Um, and like you're saying, it definitely did push you, um, just knowing that, you know, the, the caliber of the, of the program. And, of course, you want to carry that on and be another example um, to, to show by. So that was, that was a huge, uh, I guess, you know, motivator. And Coach K's he's written books on leadership. And he gives lectures on it. And he, you know, he talks about management. I mean, he is... He is an accomplished leader. I mean, you're you're a ways from a business or what entrepreneurial career, whatever you go into next. But what's the biggest lessons that you'll take or you have taken from his style and then the, the style of leadership and the fundamentals of leadership that he showed you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, just to stay consistent. Um, you know, I think his, his biggest thing is come every day and, you know, work as hard as possible, which is, it sounds cliche, but I think that's something that I had to learn while I was there. That's probably why I didn't have you know, the most success there was just because I wasn't ready to, you know, commit that much time and that much and develop that much you know, energy um, towards, towards developing myself. And I was still, you know, going through the, the, the grad program at Duke. So that was really, you know, intense. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just wasn't ready to commit fully. Um, as much as, as he needed me to, but 
you know, taking that forward uh, or, you know, to, yeah, like you're saying, towards my professional career outside of basketball and even within basketball. You know, I think the biggest thing um, in greatness is just being consistent and doing that over long stretches and periods of time. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the, that's the biggest lesson that I've, that I've learned from Coach K. I mean, you talked about commitment. I mean, you, you, you graduated in you know, a year with a master's from Duke's Business School. And mm-hmm. is is that something that sits easily, those two things? Like, you know, that kind of level of study and that kind of, that level and the, the necessary level of commitment that Duke basketball demands? Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, it was, it was a little difficult um, because... You know, I think it was four or five days a week. I had classes, you know, six hours a day, um, usually like before practice. So I was like rushing to, you know, the practice already be starting and I'd be coming in from, from classes and then having to get ready to hop on the court. Um, and, you know, I didn't really properly um, do enough to, you know, stretch before practice and get ready, warm my body up and even just get ready mentally. So I think that's kind of even why I sustained an injury during my time at Duke. Um, there's not doing enough preparation. And then even I know the other players would have workouts at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., but I was already in class at, at 8 a.m. <laughs> so um, it was a little tough from that standpoint. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it was – I was kind of used to it from Columbia, but it, it was definitely a, um, a challenge to kind of put basketball as a clear priority at that time. Because physically, how did, how did you prepare for coming to Duke? Because, you, you know, you were – in New York still, you have just finished off your degree, the world is shut down. Mm -hmm. It's not like gyms are, you know, in every corner were were open at that point in time. What did you, how did you cope with physically preparing yourself for this different level of, of intensity? Right. Um, So luckily it's actually a, you know, park nearby Columbia, maybe 10 blocks down um, Riverside park. That's really beautiful, nice park, but um, that was still open to the public. So, I would go down there every day, and with uh, one of my teammates was also staying on campus during the duration of the school year um, after COVID, and we would just do we had our, our you know whole regiment were up playing workout. We would do sprints and you know pull ups on the bars and push ups and um, all types of plyo stuff. Um, so that was like when I was in New York. I think even the Duke um, trainer he kind of gave us like you know uh, workouts to do and schedules. So kind of used that, relied on that, and even come back to North Carolina. Um, I just went to the local, you know, school that I went to when I was younger and kind of worked on their, in their fields and their track um, and just made sure that I was staying in shape and trying to get as explosive as possible. Uh, it was a little hard, you know, basketball-wise. Obviously, there's no gyms available, so I was just trying to find, you know, random hoops wherever I could around the city at, at different schools or, um, you know, just outside. Uh, I think I even asked one of our, our neighbors one time who who had a basketball goal because by that, that time my goal was <laughs> – trashed so um i even asked her if i could use it and luckily she you know she uh, agreed so but yeah it was it was kind of a challenge um but it kind of made it fun as well um every day was a little different <laughs> so that was cool it's a bit kind of rocky bubble isn't it you know old school <laughs> kind of training running up steps yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i loved it though why i mean you you decided obviously to switch to, to san francisco for your last year i mean what I mean, so you, you do another degree, and you know, this time it was in entrepreneurship and innovation, which sounds very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What was what was the thinking sort of behind going somewhere else for your last hurrah? Yeah. So that was a combination of things. Obviously, one, um, I mean, I think even talking to Coach K at my exit meeting, he kind of mentioned that 
uh, we think next year he will be looking to to use me more. Uh, I think at the start of the season, he even, you know, kind of was talking about the COVID year and you know, playing next year or, or staying in second year. Um, and, I, and I was thinking about it. I think that also was coming from Columbia. Um, it was like, you know, coming from New York City, going to a place like Durham during COVID was, you know, a, a little bit of a adjustment um, culturally, like a, a culture shock, just going from the biggest city in the world to a small town that was a college town with, no, no kids on campus so it was a little isolating um and I felt like I wanted to kind of go back um to an urban environment which I did get at San Francisco and then also you know I do they they're you know they're known for bringing in top prospects every year but it you know the team was a little young so it was a little hard to relate to at times so I wanted to go somewhere with you know more veteran presence and guys that I could, could relate to um a little more so I think you know those are the three biggest factors for me San Francisco, um, home of the Warriors, great basketball town these days. Um, is it as cool as it looks? <laughs> yeah, I think that's one thing that I, did, I really didn't even. It was even cooler than I, you know, than I thought. Um, you know, it's it's it has so much of a nature aspect to it. There's, you know, beautiful, um, I guess, uh, road or you know, trails um, overlooking the the beach. There, you can see Golden Gate Bridge. There's plenty of views. Um, and then, you know, just the city as well. There's all types of beautiful gardens around. It's just a very, overall, just a very beautiful city. Um, yeah, I was really surprised upon getting there. You've got now got, you know, three quality pieces of education from university. You've got urban studies, you've got business school, you've got entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. Where does this go? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, Obviously, I'm preparing for my career after basketball as well. Um, you know, I have a couple of interests right now that I'm, I'm kind of looking to delve into. Even this summer, I'm looking maybe to get an internship. Um, and I've worked internships in the past, but I think this summer, um, I was looking to get in with it. You know, probably a professional team, maybe an NBA team, or even with their um, new development with NBA Africa uh, the, or the, you know, the BAL right now. So I think uh, you know, post basketball, I would definitely love to work in a, you know, on the, the managerial side of, of the sport. Um, I think that would be hugely, you know. So that's kind of I think I, you know, and if that doesn't work out, I'm also interested in, in, in urban planning. Um, would definitely love to to go that route as well. So I think those are the two main interests that I have right now. Are you someone that sits down with both of those careers, but particularly the basketball career, yeah. That and do you do you take little notes or mental notes or write down ideas or you know you know cut stuff out of magazines any book, but you know you save it as a bookmark or something like that. Mm. Um, I guess I mean sitting down. I mean, I definitely am always researching um you know topics and trying to speak to as many people as I can who are knowledgeable in the fields. Um, luckily Columbia has a good network uh in that in that realm in the Ivy League so. But yeah, definitely, I find myself at times just you know researching on hours on end on you know career paths post basketball. <laughs> so um, yeah, I say I'm, I'm I'm pretty interested in that. You mentioned Africa, and it's a big part of your life. Your dad, Denise, um, obviously mm-hmm. people know you got a French surname. I'm sure you love it when people call you Patrick Tape, but <laughs> it's you know it's got the accent on the end, and you're you've played for for his country. Ivory Coast in, in World Cup qualifiers. Um, what's the what's the cultural, I guess, link or you know, relationship like with 
a place that is his heritage and is also your heritage. Yeah, so I mean, growing up, I always, you know, would, would watch Ivory soccer uh, or sorry, football, as you guys call it. Um, I was I was a huge fan of of their team uh, when they had Drogba and Arturo, and they had a very special team or a good team at, at the time. And that was almost a limited extent that I knew all my relatives spoke French, and I didn't really learn it growing up, so it was hard for me to communicate that way. And obviously, I'd never been. Um, but yeah, just upon going, you know, getting there and seeing with my own eyes and, you know, seeing my cousins and my family for the first time. Um, it was just a surreal moment. It's a surreal experience. Um, it's, a to- it's a totally different way of life. And you get an, you gain, like, a more appreciation for the life you have. And also, you know, you, it just changes your whole thoughts and outlooks on the world. Because that's the most amazing thing is that, you know, to get this call up. So you get to play international basketball. But th- that was genuine. That was your first time in no, not, not just the country, but Africa at all. Right. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, it was crazy. I think luckily, you know, we did have a training camp in Tunisia as well. Um, so that was pretty, pretty cool to see, like a little, a little bit of Northern Africa as well. Um, but yeah, it was just crazy to see, you know, everything from, I guess, how uh, just the way people communicated, the way they um, just, you know, the their outlook on life it was a totally different mindset to the American lifestyle, which was much more individualistic. Um, you know, this is it's a much more family oriented, um, communal oriented society. And uh, you know, just it was there was so much energy and love and um upon going there it was just it was just a huge uh, you know, opportunity for me. Even from hearing stories from your father, did it it sounds like that really you know, it, it caught you on it whereas it surprised you in a in a good way. Yeah, I mean growing up, uh he only you know told about so much and then you only see so much on tv a lot of it is you know kind of negative media um about these countries and about the people so you know i i didn't expect them to have um professional basketball in the country um but upon going there you see that there's you know every team has a couple of americans out there and it's a bona fide league and um a lot of the you know there's a bunch of talent there as well uh obviously they don't have the same means to, to practice with us as we do with the states but they have just as much passion um, and love for the game. What's the um, what's the reaction like from your family? Because you're not just coming back for a visit; you're coming to pull on the national jersey. Yeah, that was uh, that was a surreal moment. My dad was was so proud of me. Um, I think that was a big moment for me, uh, and then my family as well. They were just ecstatic that I was getting the opportunity. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was unreal for me. I mean, just always. You know, I think maybe growing up, I envisioned myself. In a, I've already, uh, you know, football jersey, <laughs> but to see myself in the basketball jersey, and then, and then you know, especially what we were, we were, we were capable of doing, and we obviously won three games to qualify for the FIBA World Cup. It was just, it was a huge moment for me. Now the finals of this summer in, in Japan, Philippines, and, and Indonesia, there's a bit mm-hmm. of politics because you, you know, you were supposed to go and play in the last window, and yeah, I think the story of the internal politics we could do a separate podcast on, and we probably wouldn't get to the bottom of it. But are you hoping that you get to play in the World Cup? Oh yeah, definitely. That's that's a dream. Um, I think you, know, you only get so many opportunities to do that. We only come through four years, um, and the team is in a good spot right now in terms of you know the players we have and, and, and the talent and everything. So yeah, that's on my mind almost every day. <laughs> um, you know, I've never even been to Asia as well, so from what I've heard from the older guys in the team who've been to the, the to the past World Cups, um, you know, it's one of the greatest moments in their basketball careers. So, 
um, you know, I'm, I have my fingers crossed every day. <laughs> is the is the fingers crossed as well that maybe you draw the USA in the group? Uh, I mean, maybe not for in terms of winning the game, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it would definitely be cool to play against all those players. I mean, you always see them on TV and grew up, you know, watching them envisioning and playing against them. So yeah, that would be a huge, a huge, uh, you know, boost for us. I mean, you mentioned basketball Africa League. I mean, they're always on the lookout for for players with you know, African passports or you know that play for national teams. I mean, do you feel that's an attractive option? Because you know, in the past, it was. You know, the first the first year, you know, they were they were bringing players in from lots of different places, and no one really knew what it was like. Now we've we've got a bit of a better idea of of the quality of competition. And um, mm-hmm. does it hold an attraction? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even before you know coming here to to the uh, to the Gladiators, uh, that at that time the Rocks, but I was uh, you know I was really interested in playing in Africa again. I loved my experience for that limited amount of time. And I knew that you know, there was opportunities for those teams in the area to play in the BAL next year. The team actually now um, is is in the – I'm not sure what stage it is right now, but uh, no, I know they qualify for the next round. Um, but, yeah, no, that's uh, a, a huge a huge draw for me, um, knowing that, you know, I was surprised by how much the teams were actually paying. So financially it's it's a huge boost. And then um, I just love being in Africa. I love, I love the people and the environment. So um, – Hope you know. Hopefully, someday I'm actually looking forward to to playing in that league. How's your French, though? Ah, yeah, it's uh, it's getting better. I'm still practicing Duolingo. Um, <laughs> I only started learning the Pungo and the Ivory Coast, you know, just just before. So I think I'm definitely at a at a, in a good basic level. Um, I didn't have any problems, you know, communicating uh, basically there, and I could get around daily life. But definitely want to be able to kind of hold you know more deeper conversations and um, be able to speak you know more thoroughly with my relatives. What's what's easier to understand, French or Glaswegian? <laughs> I'm gonna go with French on that one. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, there's times where I can't even understand some of my teammates on the team. Um, so it's you know, for, from coming here, it's it definitely a lot of you know asking to people to repeat <laughs> the questions and stuff. But your accent was pretty good though. It's not it's not too bad. But you know, some some of the the uh, I guess more you know thick accents is it's definitely hard. Let's finish up. Let's, let's talk about the trophy final again. And Gareth Murray says Cheshire will probably think that the Gladiators are favourites. He thinks that Cheshire are favourites because they won it last year and they've got lots of experience. I mean, the league meetings have been pretty much even between you guys this year. Where do you think this final will be won and lost? Um, yeah, so I think, you know, it really just depends on us. I mean, I think every game kind of goes that way. I think, you know, we've, we've been obviously up up and down all year um so i think it's just a matter of you know what the energy we bring you know i think every time we have a good week of practice and we're practicing hard and feeling confident we always play well um so i think it's really the focus is on practice this week um i think also we also know that cheshire has you know pretty good, good guards they have i think a you know, good trio there um larry austin uh amari or amori and uh marcus evans so I think the focus is on you know on, on the bigs as well. You know, making sure we're controlling them in the ball screens, not you know not giving them anything easy, uh, forcing them into tough tough deep twos, and um, just really holding them to the scout. But uh, I think you know like like any game, really just relies on our energy, and I think we're we're playing well and feel confident we can beat anybody. So uh, yeah. And for the rest of the season, I mean, obviously it's a it's a bit of a fight now to finish fourth. That's probably where the the scrap is, but. You, mm-hmm. you talked to a month ago about 
selling goals for the rest of the season and winning the trophy was probably the top goal. But mm-hmm. you, are you a team you, that could catch fire that you know that maybe still has its best basketball ahead of it to to make a run to finish fourth and then make a run in the playoffs? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think that it's always been our goal as well as to finish fourth. Uh, I think that, you know, we've shown that we're capable of playing with any of those teams in, in that range, you know, anywhere from Leicester to, uh, I think, Cheshire is, or, or Manchester. So, you know, we're definitely right there with, with every team. Um, and like you're saying, I think we have a lot of basketball left. You know, we've, we've had some injuries and uh, setbacks and transitions in terms of adding new players and getting new, like, you know, different rotations down. Um, but I think, you know, if, if we can hit our stride over this last stretch of, of the season, uh, you know, we can definitely make a run for it. Well, that trophy final is live on Sky Sports Action this Sunday and on the YouTube channel for free. The trophy final at 3 o'clock, the WBBL trophy final at 12.30. We'll be tweeting it. You can get to the MVP Twitter if you, if you somehow can't make it, but you've got your Twitter machine, but you can watch part in action with the Gladiators against Cheshire. PT best of luck in the game and yeah it's only been 20 years so i'm sure the gladiators fans are kind of like a prize no pressure <laughs> no doubt thank you thanks for joining us on this edition of the mvp cast that's it for us for this one don't forget it you can search for the mvp cast on social media to follow us or if you want to get in touch with me you can reach me at mark Britball on twitter you can get of course get all our podcasts via your preferred podcast provider or at the website at mvp247.com We'll be hopefully starting our next 150 podcasts very, very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much for listening and it's goodbye.